0: Hello and welcome to Business Lines Pulse podcast that tunes into all things health and pharmaceuticals. I'm Jyoti Datta. So during the peak of the pandemic, the attention has been on getting medicines and vaccines to people, a chipping away often unseen to the public eye for those making medical devices. And that too was extensively used. We are familiar with the pulse oximeters and the ventilators, digital thermometers, syringes, and I could go on. Now, someone who understands this uphill task only too well is Dr. Jitendra Sharma, founder and chief executive officer of AMTZ. Now, that's Andhra Pradesh MedTech Zone. He's a bureaucrat, a doctor with three PhDs, and also has the reputation of speaking his mind. He's also the author of Made in Lockdown, a book that captures some of the challenges of India's medtech journey, and he's our guest today. Thank you, Dr. Sharma, for joining us.
1: Thank you very much for having me on the show and pleasure to speak to you.
0: So, Doctor, in a sense, it seems to be that it took a pandemic for the medical technology sector to really emerge from the shadow of Big Brother Pharma, it seems, that normally dominates the healthcare space. So, could you just recollect some of the challenges of the time for the sector?
1: Very interesting question. And I will take uh, 30 seconds to explain you. Why MedTech lived in the shadows of Big Brother Pharma? When you look at any country in the world, essentially healthcare starts with a doctor. The doctor prescribes a bunch of diagnostics, and diagnostics leads to prescription of drugs. So the 3D is doctor, diagnostics, and drugs. Now you look at a traditional classical Indian healthcare system something goes wrong, we rush to the pharmacy shop. We first take the drug. If it works, we forget. We don't even care to check the diagnosis. If the drug doesn't work, we go to the doctor. And if the doctor fails to understand what's happening, we go to diagnostics, which is just the opposite of modern medicine as practiced elsewhere. And therefore, The pharmaceuticals being our first point of contact for healthcare system in the society does not allow an evidence-based approach in the health system. We should ideally go to a doctor, then to diagnostics, and then to drugs if needed to the extent needed. So what happened in pandemic is the entire health system was pushed to follow the right lines, diagnose first. Because only when you diagnose, you know the treatment. Diagnostics does not require pharmaceuticals. It requires medical devices. That could be pulse oximeter for SpO2, oxygen saturation. That could be a simple thermometer for temperature. That could be RT-PCR kit for checking the COVID status. And therefore, it is true that pandemic shook medical technology and gave it its own value and place in the healthcare system. But what is more important is that the pandemic forced us for a change to follow the right value chain of healthcare in the society, which is diagnostics first, doctor next, and drug last, and not the other way. Now the challenge that came with this is one, reorientation of the healthcare system, two, providing massive amounts of medical technology into community and society, which was unprecedented given the fact that India is 95% import dependent on medical devices.
0: Right. You've raised a lot of issues there, which I will ask you subsequently. But one of the things, Doc, when you speak to medical device makers, you know they say that you need to have a department of your own, you need to have a ministry of your own to understand the specific needs of the sector. Presently, they are under the ambit of the Drugs and Cosmetics Act. You seem to share a similar view from what I've uh, heard of your interviews earlier.
1: Yes, but it has to be a phased approach. So India never had a department or a center for medical technology until I came back from WHO headquarters in Geneva and established one in the Ministry of Health at National Health System Resource Center in 2012. So since 2012, thankfully we had a center for medical technology. It is only in 2015 that medical technology as a sector, the responsibility was given to the Department of Pharmaceuticals in the Ministry of Chemicals and Fertilizers for overall governance of the sector. Yet, the regulation of medical devices is under the Drugs and Cosmetics Act, and the medical, which is 1940, But medical devices rule, which is 2017, and drugs and cosmetics act, which is under the CDSCO, comes under health ministry. So, if you see the chronology, it is 2012 a medical technology department at National Health System Resource Center, 2015, Department of Pharma and Ministry of Chemicals and Fertilizers being given the responsibility of medical devices sector by the Union Cabinet, and 2017. Two years after 2015, uh, the medical devices rule came under the Drugs and Cosmetics Act. So we have been progressing, yet the progress is slow. And fully oriented medical technology department, which can converge the industry, progress, the regulation, and the R&D seems to be missing for now. Because the R&D and innovation today is being looked after Ministry of Science and Technology the industry promotion is being looked after by Department of Pharmaceuticals and the regulation is being looked after by CDSCO, which is under the Ministry of Health. And I think this disjointed approach would eventually converge as we have been progressing in last 10 years.
0: Right. So some progress made, but Still some more ground to cover, I suppose. A a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, a lot of ground to cover. So, uh, Doc, coming to AMTZ, I mean, now it is home to the WHO Collaborating Center for Health Innovations, which is in itself a talking point. Mm -hmm. Then there are the other many services that they house. I mean, I was just going through your site. There are so many. So, is this an illustration of your philosophy to demonstrate that it can be done? rather than just talk big as one of the industry representatives put it?
1: Yes. In fact, uh, you know, the problem lies that we have too many people who do advocacy, but too few who carry the mantle. So when uh, we realized that in the medical technology department in the Ministry of Health, that mm, most of the devices are import dependent, we uh, dive deep to understand why we have not been able to replicate the pharma success story in MedTech. Now the point is, if you take a pharmaceutical product, it is just couple of chemicals in it or biosimilars. But you take a simplest of the medical devices and there are over 300 components in it. Some medical devices like CT scanners go up to thousands of components. And therefore, given the complexity of medical devices vis-a-vis chemicals based pharmaceutical products, we realize that there has to be one place in the country where Industrial scientific services required by the entire plethora of medical devices can be provided at one place. And I started AMTZ with ten thousand one rupees in two thousand seventeen. The construction started in two thousand eighteen. We built the phase one of this zone in just three hundred forty two days, expanding over the uh, hundreds of acres. And this two three hundred forty two days in two thousand eighteen we could set up most of those facilities that are required for medical devices, R&D, development and production. Now, having said that, it is not just scientific industrial service which is helpful. We also need policy support, which in MTZ is done by Kalam Institute of Health Technology, uh, an entity that I set up in the name of Dr. Kalam with principal scientific advisor to government of India as the chair, president of the body. Uh, and I uh, serve as the executive director of Kalam Institute, which takes care of specifications, standards, regulatory support, uh, procurement norms, customs duty corrections to make manufacturing viable. So at AMTZ, what we proved and intended to prove is at scale, at speed, India can do miracles provided... We bring industry, promotion, service delivery, and policy facilitation together. And therefore, AMTZ established the facilities which promoted industry. Kalam Institute promoted right policies and advocated for right policies, which made manufacturing viable. And our crown jewels like WHO Collaborating Center that you just mentioned, which is globally the first center of WHO on health innovation. It is these crown jewels that make us internationally recognized and creditable and viable at scale. And I think we have been fairly successful thanks to the support of my team.
0: That's quite something. So from what I understand, you you have centers uh, for 3D printing organ generation centers, biomaterial testing and so on. So just wanted to understand how does this work? I mean, for instance, biomaterial testing, does it require higher levels of safety? Uh, And are these, you know, like common fees for um, other entrepreneurs? How does this
1: work? Uh, So so most of these centers work under public-private partnerships where we own the center, but we choose a credible partner to operate, a partner who has international license to operate these facilities. Now, what is interesting is, suppose we were to encourage manufacturing of implants. Now, a manufacturer would need a third-party laboratory to test their implant, whether it is a pacemaker or a hip or a knee. Where do they go? They used to go to Singapore or Germany. Now, the biomaterial center that's set up by us in the zone allows manufacturers to actually come to the biomaterial center within the campus and undertake those tests through a third-party notified body which runs the center. Similarly, we have an organ generation center, we have an oxygen sensor and printed circuit board center, so that while producing oxygen concentrators, for example, we are not forced to rely on foreign supplies of oxygen sensors. So each of these centers do their tremendous job bilaterally, independently with the manufacturers and innovators in the zone and elsewhere in the country, but all coordinated by MTZ. That's the only reason. Why when country needed 12 lakh, 1.2 million COVID RT-PCR test kits in a day, AMTZ could provide 1.1 1. 1 million, 11 lakhs out of 12 lakhs required every day in the country. That's the power of putting all the centers together.
0: That's quite something. The staggering numbers there. So you also have uh, incubation centers, doc, uh, over there for, you know, for young entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs listening in. Could you sort
1: of tell us how that works? Yes. So we have two incubators dedicated to medical technology. One incubator is called Medi Valley, and the second incubator is called Bio Valley. These incubators work with startups. Now there are two reasons why we set up incubators. One, while MedTech Zone can give place facilities and handholding and support to large companies small entrepreneurs which can make it big for Indian medical devices sector and for themselves need more focused and a smaller support. They need a more focused support, but their support is much smaller in terms of scale and volume. The incubation centers do that. But the advantage is once with our support, these startups and budding entrepreneurs make it to a product level or a batch production level we can actually at AMTZ basket them in large com- large factories and large infrastructure provisioning for them. And therefore, the incubation center supports startups, but with the aim to make them big at scale.
0: Right. So now, AMTZ, you're in your fifth year from what I understand. How has this you know, sort of triggered interest in other states. How have they warmed up to such medical technology parks? We've been hearing about all of this for a long time. Is it really gathering much momentum?
1: Yeah. So, MTZ is three years, four months young. We got inaugurated in December 2018. So, we are just three years, four months young. Uh, what is nice is an, an organization that started with ten thousand one rupees. Our turnover today is touching 500 crores. That's just in three years, four months. We started with that those 10,001 rupees and a jungle. And we, uh, the, the group companies at AMTZ, all the manufacturers and entrepreneurs at AMTZ, their turnover put together is touching almost 9,000 crore. That's almost 30% of India's, uh, 25% of India's import dependency. Those are the numbers we are talking in three years, four months. Now, there was no proof of concept that a public sector-led entity can work so beautifully with the private sector for overall growth of medical technology in a country. We proved it that it works. So Niti ayog requested us to see if the same can be replicated. And the government of India, in the medical devices park scheme, created a committee of five members, which I chaired. And we created a scheme for setting up more medical devices parks in India. That scheme was approved by the union cabinet. And uh, to some extent, financial budgeting has been done. Four states uh, have been selected under the new scheme because the AMTZ came there when there was no scheme, uh, let alone the scheme. There was no concept of a medtech zone uh, anywhere in the country, anywhere in Asia. In fact, the Shanghai International Medical Zone in China is also not close to AMTZ because it's a mix of health or pharma, vaccine, and medtech. It's not core medtech. And therefore, once we propose the scheme, the scheme got approved, four states have been selected by the government of India. But setting these up in those four states is obviously a long-term vision. It will take time and humongous amount of effort. But what is important is AMTZ could lead something from concept to successful implementation not just for itself, but inspire others to follow, inspire and support others to achieve the same. More like Delhi Metro, which having established itself as a best practice in Metro management, could inspire and support other cities to have Metro. It's it's very similar.
0: Absolutely. To show that it, it can be done, that's, I think, uh, you know, in itself, something worth firing for or following through with. In fact, uh, you know, given the kind of turnovers that you're talking about to bring me to the other question that I was going to ask you, you know, a lion's share of MedTech is still imported and much of that from China. And we've seen how the pandemic has pretty much turned a lot of it on its head, not just for India, but for a lot of countries. How do you see this with, you know, with um, such dedicated zones working on dedicated products that probably are tailored to the country's needs? To see this kind of dependency sort of uh, slowly reducing, what is your focus on this? It would
1: reduce and your question is a very, very strategic and comprehensive question because we do not want to be a zone and produce for example, just the gloves or syringes which India produced a lot anyway. We wish to be the zone and we have been successful for example, to produce India's first MRI. In fact, India uh, the MRI uh, the core component of an MRI is the superconducting magnet that's made at 4 Kelvin helium, chirogenic, uh, completely chirogenic at 4 Kelvin temperatures. Now, we have been able to successfully set up a superconducting magnet center, for example, in the zone you know, in AMTZ. Seeing which, we have now multiple MRI manufacturers which are setting up MRI facilities at AMTZ and elsewhere in India because they have a supply of magnets. We have been able to set up heart valve facility, CT scan facility, and things that were unimaginable. And therefore, all I would say is we must look at a next gen of technologies, find out what constitutes those next gen of technologies, concentrate on the critical components that would facilitate the next gen of technologies to be produced, and create the capacity to manufacture those raw materials and components and once we do that with the support of scientific centers and the approach we have taken since beginning i think india should be right up on the global stage in medtech
0: so from a regulatory point of view Doc, you did talk about the rules do you think that india you know has to have standards that are tailored to its own environment or do they need to be harmonized into you know the international norms as well something that pharma also constantly talks about and uh, as far as mthz is concerned you know i do notice you have an uh, animal center so from a research point of view how does this fit in when it sort of uh, some countries are talking more about simulation and alternative methods
1: so i will answer the second question first the animal trials are needed not for devices that we already make but for next generation of devices and the trials are permitted on larger animals like swine and others. The AMTZ animal house, which is an ICMR center of excellence, is the only animal house in India that supports experimentation on large animals. So although we may depend upon simulation, but a country needs at least one center so that if data does not come from simulations and models in India and elsewhere, we have the uh, uh, traditional road of doing the. Uh, live experiments by ourselves. Uh, needless to say, that can be minimized and we should do only as much as required. Now, coming to the question of standards, India may have its contextual requirements, but the products must follow international norms. The international norms of medical technology, whether it is those set up by the International Electrotechnical Commission or ASTM, depending upon the product profile. The international norms must be achieved. Now, to achieve that, the Bureau of Indian Standards had done something very interesting. They have created a large number of committees. In last three years, we have indigenized and, and published more than 1,400 standards on medical devices. We take the international standard as it is. We tinker to the extent it is minimally required to suit our context. We place it for industry voting and then it is approved and published. So what happens is, while for the Indian consumers, you may have the international standards matched to the contextual requirements of the country, it is never over and above the international standards so that you can achieve international standards also uh, and can be export-worthy. But for a country to be a global hub, international equivalence is necessary, and that's on the path we are taking.
0: Dr. The um, WHO Collaborating Center for Health Innovations, what exactly would be happening there? Could you just give us some details on that?
1: So, WHO Collaborating Center on Health Innovation is the first collaborating center of WHO globally on innovations. Now, what will be happening in this center are three things. One, development of core methods for WHO for innovation demand supply matchmaking. Formulation of methods for assessment of innovations and technologies, and most importantly, scaling up of innovation. And I'll give you a very simple example. We produce a thousand oxygen concentrators a day. We supply it to multiple places in the world. But there are places in the world that do not have electricity. So, how do they use an oxygen concentrator which needs electricity? But the answer is in Somalia, in the hospitals in Mogadishu, we work for implementation of solar-powered oxygen concentrator. A solar-powered oxygen concentrator is oxygen concentrator that works even in the absence of electricity. That is the kind of scale-up for the world that WHO collaborating center will be able to engineer and not just support Indian healthcare, but support WHO to take these scale-up innovations globally.
0: That's interesting. So what you're saying is that work being done here could be used to support uh, products uh, taken internationally as well.
1: Yes, the adoption of innovation internationally, globally, will be one of the strong elements of the work of WHO Collaborating Centre at, a- at Kalam Institute at AMTC.
0: And finally, you're also talking about a medtech museum there at AMTZ. So could you give us uh, an idea of what that is about?
1: So out of many things that we do uh, we we want to bring the conversation on medtech just like you are trying to achieve it through this show we would like to make the conversation around medical technology more social as of now it's a discussion a conversation that happens only in large conferences and in operation theaters people don't understand before covid they did not know what is an rtpcr and for example today we have hundreds of students who have come from far off place, Jamshedpur in Jharkhand, all the way to AMTZ to look at our facilities. We have become a center, a scientific tourist spot already. People from from multiple places in the country come to learn. Now, to make it more engaging, we are hoping to create a museum which can showcase India's traditional and modern achievements in medical technology. Uh, uh, The microscope that Mahatma Gandhiji used or the walker of Mr. Vajpayee, or the dialysis machine of Mr. Morarji Desai, or the bed on which Baba Amte slept, or the wheelchair of Mother Teresa. Now These are products which have history, which have legacy. There might be traditional technologies used in those products which we might have miniaturized or automatized over a period of time. But there needs to be a place where community can interface with medical technology. So we are hoping that in a medical technology museum, we will be able to bring in the traditional, as well as the modern technology, and make it a center where people can connect with, which would have uh, uh, an an ancient repository of medical devices used in India, including the revolution, and also modern technologies like uh, virtual reality or augmented uh, reality-based interactive platforms. I'll give you a simple example there might be a paraplegic patient lying on the bed who needs physiotherapy but cannot go for a physiotherapy we have a physiotherapy center just imagine if we are able to convert that physiotherapy center high end physiotherapy center into an augmented reality center ship a pair of spectacles a 3d glasses to the patient lying on the bed in murshidabad or mirat and that patient can put those specs there can imagine him or herself Be at the physiotherapy center here and can exercise under instructions. It would be marvelous for life, for their safety and progress in health. And therefore, this museum will not just be a museum, it will be a repository of ancient and modern interfaces to connect medical technology to society.
0: That sounds really fascinating. Obviously, a lot more being lined up for you at the center, as you said, three years and four months young. So we look forward to more on that doctor, and we'll be in touch. But for now we'll uh, come to the end of the podcast. So from the business line team and myself, thank you Dr. Sharma for your time and fascinating insights. Thank you so much.